Good morning, Radiate. Man, we are so glad you're with us today. Thank you for joining us on this amazing Sunday morning right here on all of our streaming platforms. As you know, since COVID-19 and coronavirus hit, all churches across the globe have had to change our methods and our ways. And so we've gone to a completely online digital experiences until it is safe to meet again. And we can't wait for that day so that we can be with you and hang out with you, high five you, hug you, and worship with you together. But during this series, Lies We've Been Told, we've been on field days and many vacations. We want to take you around the, 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 the state and around our town and our region to let you see some things and because you're at home, so you can't see too much, but we want you to see some things. It's been a great series as we've talked about misconceptions about God, and today is going to be no different. We are outside today. We are at our location, at our field day destination. It's a beautiful sunshine, breeze blowing, landscape happening kind of day today. And today I brought you to one of my favorite places in the world, Williams Bryce Stadium, home of the Fighting Gamecocks. Now I know I know there's people out there that you guys are Clemson Tigers, you're fans of other teams. That is okay. We'll pray for you. It's all going to be all right. No, I love coming to williams Price. So as a kid growing up, I grew up a Gamecocks fan. My whole family is Gamecocks fans. We're all South Carolina Gamecocks, right? And so we would watch all the games online, on TV. Like we would watch any way that we possibly could. But one of my favorite things, that all changed for me because one of my favorite things as a kid was to come to this stadium behind me. Now, it looked a lot different back then. But I, I remember one of the first times I ever came, my granddad uh, used to work at a place where he could get tickets. And so he got tickets for me and my family. And I remember coming and we, were, we would always sit way up in the upper deck in the high seats and we'd come early. We'd come early and we'd see the band play. We'd watch the, the players warm up. We'd, we, we'd see the stands fill up after we've already been there we'd go get our drinks and our hot dogs and and y'all i was just mesmerized by it because when i walk in there there's just this feeling of excitement there's like this jolt of energy that just runs through your bones and makes you want to run out of the tunnel and hit somebody in the mouth like the players do and i loved it man that changed being a gamecocks fan became real for me that day then it became real for me whenever my brother started attending South Carolina. And he would always get me a ticket. He'd get me a ticket and me and my brother, we'd go and we'd sit in the student section or somewhere in the stadium and we would cheer, we'd lose our voices, and we'd shout, we'd have this energy. We would yell at the coaches because we know how to coach better than they do, of course, all fans do. Like all this stuff, right? There's this level of energy and excitement that was there. There's one time that I'll never in my life forget. It was my brother, myself, and my youth pastor at the time. We came to the game, and we were all three just massive Gamecock fans. And, and during this time, Lou Holtz was our coach, and Lou Holtz was uh, bravely coaching our team to an 0-21 record. 0-21. Like, don't complain when your team loses two or three games this season. Because chances are you've never been through 0-21, and it's really difficult, all right? We were sitting in the stands, and I'll never forget right after that 0-21 record in the year 2000 that we beat the Georgia Bulldogs. Shouldn't have beat them. Had no sense beating them, but we beat them. We took it to them. And, man, 
everybody in the stadium rushed the field after that. We were jumping up and down. We were, whoa, let's go, yeah. We were shouting, screaming, voices gone, like going crazy. We saw the fans rush the field, so guess who jumped on the field? Right here. I jumped on the field. My youth pastor jumped on the field. My brother jumped on the field. We were running around. They started, they tore down the goalpost, right? And they started carrying the goalpost out of the stadium. Guess who helped carry the goalpost out of the stadium? Right here, baby. This guy. Me, my brother, and my youth pastor. We were on the front, literally leading the charge. We were at the front of the goalpost, holding it and slapping it. Just, woo, let's go, go Gamecocks. Now they, everybody else was taking the goalpost somewhere else. We were just going to our car. So when we got close to our vehicle, we let somebody else take the charge. But we helped carry the goalpost out of the stadium, man. You couldn't beat it. We were excited. We were pumped up. We were joyful. It was an amazing, amazing time, an amazing feeling, right? Now, there's also been times I've sat in this stadium. This is one of my favorite places. I've been frustrated. I've been disappointed. I've been heartbroken. I've been numb, you know. I've been joyful for not reasons that have anything to do with the team. But when my kids come with me and they're so joyful and excited to sit in this stadium and see the players, things like that, they just jack me up, right? They just get me excited. Now, if we're not careful in a, in a spiritual sense, right, we can do the same thing. Because here's the truth, right? When I'm not feeling the goosebumps and the excitement and the joy, does that mean that the Gamecocks aren't a football team? No. No, we still have the college. We still have the stadium. We still have the football team, right? We still have all those things. Here's why. My feelings don't change realities. It's still a reality they're a football team. It's still a reality that they lost or won. It's still a reality that it's a college. My feelings don't change that. Now, here's the truth. Our feelings also don't change God. So when we, when we jump into the spiritual definition of God that we have to feel Him, and it's really a misconception, it's a theology that's not right. When we jump into this misconception that God is a goosebump God. God is a God that we know He's working when we feel Him then what we do is we reduce God's holiness to feeling. And it really takes God's goodness out of the whole situation. So today, I want to talk to you about misconception number three, that God is a goosebumps God, that I feel God, and therefore I know that He's working. Now let me ask you this question, right? Have you ever felt God working in your life? Have you ever felt God working? Maybe today, during worship and during this experience, have you felt God today? Yeah, you did? Okay, why? Why did you feel God today? Why did you feel God? Was it because Pastor Chris and our worship sang your favorite worship song? Did you feel tingly today? Because if you did, sitting across the table from a really pretty girl can make you feel tingly too. Did you cry? Did it like sometimes you know that God's moving because you cry, right? And you just start crying. Man, watch the right YouTube video you can cry too. Oh, or, or maybe you just felt an overwhelming sense of peace. Go to a massage. You'll feel a sense of peace. I'm not trying to discount those things. What I'm trying to say is maybe we need to understand that God can't be reduced to feelings. And so therefore, we don't only know He's working just because we feel Him. And so when we chase a goosebump God, we're chasing something that God never intended us to chase. No, you didn't feel God in, in service today and you're not feeling much. Can I tell you this? Listen to me. When you don't feel God moving, I just want to give you this comfort. You're not alone. 
There's scripture after scripture after scripture of people that go, I don't feel God right now. I need you to show up. Psalm chapter 59, verse 4, David is running for his life from King Saul. His king is about to kill him, searching him. David's running through the, the mountains and, and sleeping in caves. He's running for his life. And David pins... this phrase. He says, wake up God and see what's happening about me. Wake up. Wake up and realize what's happening around me. Here's what he's saying, God, I don't feel you and so I don't think you're seeing what's happening. I need you to see the danger and deliver me. I need you to hear me today. God is not a feeling. God is a king. God is the Lord. God is the God of gods, the King of kings and the Lord of lords it's not just a feeling in fact here's another one you're not alone if you don't always feel god right jesus on the cross we talked about that last week he became the law to fulfill the law because we can't so that he could redeem us right well what does he say on the cross before he lifts his spirit and says father forgive them for they know not what they're doing here's what he says my father my father why have you forsaken me in other words my father, my father, why have you distanced yourself from me so much that I can't feel you right now? If you don't always feel God moving, if you don't always feel the goosebumps, you're actually in good company. And that doesn't mean that you're not spiritual. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Sometimes it just means God's still moving because we have to know his character more than our feelings. So I want to talk to you real quick about three points. Just three reasons. There's many, but I want to talk to you just about three, probably the three most popular reasons that maybe we don't feel God moving. And number one is this. The number one point that I want to hit today is this reason. Maybe you're over-sensationalizing it. Maybe you're over-sensationalizing it. I've had the privilege and the opportunity to preach across the Southeast and God's given me opportunities to preach all over our, our nation, and I love it, and it's amazing. And I've been across people that just chase God as a feeling. John chapter 6, there's something interesting that is said to Jesus, right? There's a group of people talking to Jesus, and here's what they say. They say, give us a sign that God is who he says he is. Give us a sign that you are who you say you are. Give us a sign like the Israelites got. Because when the Israelites were in the wilderness, God sent manna from heaven. Give us a sign like that. Many of us are just going, hey God, if you want me to date this person, I need you to like let them just kind of fall into my DMs on Facebook or on Instagram, right? Like, hey God, if you want me to take this job, I need you to make it easy for me. Hey God, give me this sign. Hey God, give me this. And sometimes God works like that. But sometimes God goes, no, you're mature enough. You're strong enough. I need you to trust my character to make the decision that you know I would want you to make. John chapter 6, they say, give me a sign. In other words, here's what they're saying. If we're not careful, this is what can happen when we chase a goosebumps God. We can look and we can chase his heart. I mean, his hand over his heart. We can chase his hand over his heart. Here's what I mean. If we're not careful when we chase a feeling and not the Lord, when we chase a feeling and not God's character, we're chasing God, what can you do for me? 
God, what can you give me? God, what are you going to do in this moment for me? But when we chase his heart, we go, God, I know who you are. I know that you're just and merciful and graceful and loving and good. I know those who, that's who you are, God. So I'm not chasing what you can do for me or make me feel today. I'm just chasing who you are. And the more I know who you are, the more I know what you can do. The John chapter 6, they were chasing what God was going to do, not who God was. And if we're not careful, we'll go to church whenever we can gather back together or no, let's take that out of it. When we're sitting in our living room today, we'll go to church. And part of the reason we don't sing and lift our hands is because we're not feeling it. Now, there's power in gathering together. I'm not, I'm not denying that, and I'm not uh, second-guessing that or downplaying that because that is powerful. But whenever we only worship when we feel it, when we only worship whenever we, we, we are, are hearing our favorite song, right? When we only pray whenever we feel this moment of, of, of just supernatural, just push. When we do it, when we only feel, then we're looking at God and going, I only chase you when I feel like it. And that's dangerous. Because feelings are good indicators. They're terrible dictators. Feelings come and feelings go. And so if we're chasing God as a feeling, then we're chasing a God that can leave. But the truth is, is God says he'll never leave us. And he'll never forsake us and he'll never stop holding our hands. So the number one thing that we can do sometimes and why we don't feel God moving in the moment is because we're trying to over-sensationalize it. So the second point I want to hit today is maybe we're not feeling God move because our hearts are hardened. Our hearts are hardened. In Matthew chapter 13, there's this conversation that's taking place and Jesus is talking, and, and it's said like this. It is said that their hearts are calloused, and their ears, they don't even hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. In other words, they don't even hear what I'm trying to say to them anymore, and they can't see what I'm doing in them and through them because they've closed their eyes because their hearts are calloused. You know what a callous is? A callous is something that creates a hard exterior so that what's on the outside can't get through to the inside and hurt somebody. Maybe through church hurt, maybe through relationship hurt, maybe through life experiences, maybe through pain, maybe through frustration, maybe through misunderstanding. We've allowed a callous and a hard heart to take over and we've built these fences and these walls to keep God out, to keep others out, so that because we're afraid that what gets in may hurt a little bit. It, it, let, me, let me put it to you like this. I think what can create that distance of hardened hearts and callous sometimes is what I like to call social sins are socially acceptable sins. Here's what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about like uh, gossip. Oh, we just need to pray for her today. When you know that you're not praying for her, you're just telling everybody her business, right? Gossip, and you're like, oh, what, what, what is the big deal? I'm just telling people information. What if it's their reputation that's on the line? You know what I'm saying? Like gossip. Maybe we're looking at lustful things online and looking at lustful things on the TV and watching movies we know we shouldn't be watching because it's not fulfilling. Socially acceptable. Maybe it's white lies or, or, or small lies, big lies, whatever they are. We're just doing what we have to do to, to, to make ourselves okay in the moment. Whatever it is, here's what I want to tell you. Like those things, maybe it's, we stay away from the big stuff. Maybe it's the, we don't murder, we don't cheat, we don't do those things, but you know, I do this little thing. I'll cheat on my taxes. 
I'll lie to this person. I'll do it, you know, just stretch the truth just a little bit. I like to call those socially acceptable sins. And if we live in that too long, we allow a hardness to come over us that keeps the sensitivity of the Spirit of God from coming in us and changing everything about us. Let me, let me give it to you in another example, right? So today it's, it's really, really warm out here. It feels great. It's amazing. You got landscapers doing landscape work. You got all kinds of things taking place right here where we're at. But let's imagine that it's freezing cold. Let's imagine it's about 15 degrees out here, right? It's freezing. You walk outside, you know, your snot turns to icicles, right? It's just cold outside. Well, if you're anything like me, I get cold easy and I don't like to stay cold. And so I'll go put on bundles and bundles and bundles of clothes. So you go inside and you layer up because you got to go outside, right? So we layer up and then when we walk outside, guess what happens? We don't feel the cold anymore. Why? Because we put so much protection around us. Because we put the jackets on and the layers on and we put all this stuff on and now the cold air isn't hitting us anymore. And so what's happened is we've layered ourselves to the point. We've layered ourselves to the place to where we can't feel what's on the outside. If we're not careful, if we don't come to a God in a state of repentance. Now, the socially acceptable sins doesn't mean God doesn't love you, hasn't forgiven you, isn't bringing you into the kingdom of God. Here's what it means. It means we live in a place of repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is accepting our current direction and recognizing that we have to change direction to, change, to get somewhere else. So it's going, hey God, I'm walking in this socially acceptable sin. I'm doing this. I'm working in gossip and lust and porn and whatever, right? I'm walking in this, but God, I recognize that's wrong. And I don't want there to be a hardness and a callousness towards you and towards who you are. I want to feel you. I want to hear you. I want to know you greater. And because of that, God, I recognize where I am and it's the wrong place and I'm going to turn and I'm going to walk in a different direction. Repentance is not acknowledging it. Repentance is acknowledging it and turning in a new direction. It's closing the gap between you and God. So number one is maybe we're not feeling God because we're over-sensationalizing it. Number two, maybe we're not feeling God in the moment because we have, maybe you have a hardened heart. Maybe we have a hardened heart. Number three, maybe we're not feeling God because he's trying to draw us closer. He's trying to draw us closer. Acts chapter 17 has an interesting uh, series of events and conversation that takes place. And Paul is writing this and he says this. He says, God allowed that to happen so that they would seek me, reach for me, and find me. Hang on a second. So God lets things happen that are bad. No, no, no. God allows a distance to form sometimes because of this. Distance exposes desire. Please grab this. If you don't eat for the next three days, all right, let's change it. If we don't eat for the next six hours, <laughs> what's going to happen? Stomach's going to start hurting. We're going to be hungry right? Why? Because our desire is to eat something and we're hungry. Why? Because we have a distance from us and food. Distance creates desire. If I go several hours without drinking something, I'm going to be thirsty. Why? Distance from drinking and, and, and liquid has created a desire for that. Sometimes we have to understand that God isn't pulling away from us so that he can't be found. And to punish us, God is pulling away 
God's creating a distance so that we can find Him. Because God is a God, is the God that wants to be pursued. God is a God that wants a relationship. And every powerful, effective, meaningful relationship must be pursued. Some of us, that's why our marriages are falling apart today. Because we've stopped pursuing our spouse. We stop dressing nice for them, talking nice for them. We stop uh, being intimate with them, whatever it is, because they're not meeting our expectation and we can't feel something, we stop pursuing them. We pursue because we love. We pursue because we love. Distance brings desire. Think about it like this, right? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 and 14 says, If you will seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And then verse 14, I love this part. He sums it up with this. He says, and I will be found by them. I love that, man. I, I like to example and illustrate it to myself and to others like this. When I play hide and seek with my kids, I don't go hide so they can't find me. Sometimes I do because I think it's funny, but I'll always, here's what I'll do. If I hide like in a hard spot or if I hide somewhere, I'll always leave an arm out I'll be loud, I'll leave the door open if I'm in a closet, something like that so that I can go, hey, they're gonna find me. I just want them to look. I just want them, to... maybe you're in a season where you're not feeling God, and maybe it's not that God is hiding for punishment, maybe he's hiding for pursuit. He wants you to pursue him like never before. Maybe you're in the midst of coronavirus and COVID-19 and there's so much uncertainty and it's so difficult mentally and emotionally and in so many different ways in your life, can I just tell you, like, maybe he wants you to pursue him during this time like you never have before. Maybe he wants you to read your word, his word, like you never have before. Maybe he wants you to worship like you never have before. Maybe he wants us to understand that the church is not just about meeting on Sundays, as important as that is, but it's about being the church every day of the week. Maybe he wants us to understand that worship is not about our favorite song being played, but it's about chasing the heart of God because his love language is worship. Maybe he wants us to pursue. Maybe you feel like God's hiding. And can I tell you that maybe he is? Maybe God is hiding, but he's not hiding to punish. He's hiding because he wants to be found. And every time, hear this, every time my kids find me, here's the amazing thing. I pick them up and I hug them and I'm like, you did it! You found me, man, you did so good. I guess now it's my time to find you. What if God is playing a spiritual game of hide and seek? And when we find him and we're pursuing him and we go, oh God, I love you. Thank you for revealing your heart, not your hand to me. Thank you for that. I love you so much. And God goes, you did it! You found the lesson in this season. You found my heart in this season. You did it! You found me! Now it's my turn to find you. Now we get to hug. Now we get to hang out. Now we get to rest together because you found me. So number one, maybe one reason we're not feeling God in this season is because maybe we're over-sensationalizing it. Or maybe, number two, maybe our hearts are hardened. Or number three, maybe God wants to be found. He's trying to draw us closer. But here's the truth, right? Here's what I want you to know. Just because God is absent, I mean, let me say that again. Just because God is silent doesn't mean God is absent. Just because God is silent doesn't mean 
God is absent. In school, when we, I use this, all this illustration all the time, but when we're in school and we're taking tests, the teacher tells you, no talking, she doesn't talk, you don't talk, you take the test and you move forward. But the teacher's always right there. Maybe in the moment, you feel like you don't feel God and you feel like God is being silent. But I promise you, He's not being absent. He promises to never leave and never forsake us. Even in the midst of something like COVID-19, guess what? He'll never leave. He'll never forsake. Even when we have questions, guess what? He'll never leave. He'll never forsake. Even whenever we're living in social sin, guess what? He'll never leave. He'll never forsake. No matter where we are in our lives, guess what? He will never leave and He will never forsake. Why? Because He loves us that much. When you don't feel God is working, you have to know the character of His heart that He still is, no matter what. Just because I don't feel Him, I know that He's still there because I know God. Here's some ways that I know that God's working in my life all the time, even when I don't feel Him. One way is when I get home from work or I get home from the grocery store or whatever, I come out of my home office, whatever it looks like, right? My one-year-old or my eight-year-old or my six-year-old is, Daddy! Daddy's here! Mommy, there's Daddy! And they give me a hug and a kiss and they love me. In that moment, I'm grateful because even if I don't feel like God's working there in the grander situation, I know that God's still there because He's allowing me to be a father. He's allowing me to experience love that I've always prayed for. Another way is every time that I get to record one of these messages, I don't like the fact that we're not meeting together. But I'm grateful that thousands, literally thousands of people every single week are watching God's Word right here. I'm grateful that we have hundreds of people that are sharing and praying and believing something powerful. Their lives are being changed. I can see God working in the midst of these situations. I may not feel it, but I see it. I see lives being changed. I see hearts being shifted. I see people even on a digital basis taking next steps. I see leaders getting better. I see teams growing. All oh, why? Because the church can't be stopped. Those are moments where I go, God, you're working. Hey, can I just be real personal? Last week I talked about my pacemaker a little bit, right? The reason I keep, and I'll just share this with you, the reason I keep rubbing my eye on, on recordings, here's why. I had a surgery that hurt, uh, that injured a nerve in my body, and my eye just goes crazy sometimes. It's half swollen, it's half shut, half the time, like there's things that happen. I'm reminded of that every day. I'm also reminded of a pacemaker I have in my chest every day. But every day I wake up, I get to go, God, I may not feel you today, but I know that you're still there. You woke me up today. You use doctors and scientists to wake me up. Thank you. So I want you to know that even when you don't feel it, even when his hand is not moving, his heart is still present. I'm not chasing what he can do. I'm chasing who he is. And so today I, I want to pray, just like we have every single service, and I want to encourage you to do something, that if you give your life to Jesus today, I want, hear me, I want to walk that out with you. I want to talk to you. I want to pray with you. I want to resource you. And so I want to pray a prayer of salvation because there's some people in the room today. There's some people in their living room. There's some people at home. 
and you need and want and you feel the tug that you need to give your heart to Jesus, you just have been waiting on a feeling and now you understand I have to just make a decision. Can I pray with you over that? I want to pray as you take the decision, make the decision and take the step to give your life to Jesus today. I want to pray that over, over you and with you. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us. Lord, there are people in living rooms and in cars and listening to this on podcast. There's so many things that are happening today. God, there are people that want to give their heart to you today. God, I pray forgiveness. Come on, just pray that. Just say, God, forgive me. God, I pray forgiveness over them. I pray, God, that you would move in them, take them, God, and wrap them in redemption and in love, in forgiveness and in grace. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to give his life that we may have life. Thank you for the ground being level at the cross that we don't have to wait for a feeling, but we make a decision to walk with you. Help us walk with you every day. And thank you for making room for us in the kingdom of God. We love you. Now, if you prayed that and you believe that and you're giving your life to Jesus today, welcome to the family of God, man. We are pumped. We are excited. I can't wait. I need you to click that link. Hear me. I need you to click that link, get some resources. I want to talk to you. I want to meet you. I want to hang out. Click that link, get some resources so we can walk this out together. Now, here's what I want to do real fast. Radiate Church, I just want to pray over you in general that we would not chase a goosebump God because feelings come and go, but we would chase the, the same God, the God that He says is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We chase His heart, not His hand. My prayer is that we always feel God move, but my prayer more so is that when we don't, we still know who He is. So let's pray together. Father, thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you that we don't have to depend on feelings and emotions, but we depend on character and who you are. And God, I just pray anointing through this recording right now. I pray in living rooms that your spirit would move in their life. I pray right now, God, that you would enter hearts, you'd enter lives, <coughs> you'd enter marriages, you'd enter these things right now today, God, and change lives forever. We don't want to chase a feeling and a goosebump, God. We chase the commitment of the character of who you are because we love you and not just what you can do for us. God, we honor you. We worship you and we give you everything we have today. In your name we pray. Amen. Radiate Church, I love you guys. I thank you for being on with us. Share, like this video, but here's what I want you to do, right? Take a next step with us, whatever that is. There's a link in the chat. Click the next step button. Take a next step, man. Baptism, salvation, I don't know, joining a team, full life, all that's still going on today. We don't have to just be together physically for that to happen. Take a next step and join us also this Wednesday night, 8.30, on all of our streaming platforms for midweek conversations. This week, we're talking to Pastor Mitch Lunsford from Piedmont Chapel in North Carolina on this very topic. It's going to be amazing. I love you. Let's go chase the world. Go Gamecocks. Woo!